Hey, hey, remarkable people. This is Tracy Robbins, and you are listening to Thy Neighbor Podcast. This podcast is designed to inspire you to expand your community, to connect more often with those who are in your path, and of course, to love thy neighbor as thyself. You will hear from individuals in my day-to-day life who are crushing it and making the world a more lovely place to inhabit. Have a listen. Amber Pilati is a follower of Jesus Christ, mother of five, podcaster, life coach, and speaker. She has had to rely on the Savior Jesus Christ as she has encountered life's challenges, including being raised by an alcoholic, embracing her individual motherhood journey, dealing with postpartum depression, loving family members who struggle daily with mental illness, overcoming perfectionism, dealing with health challenges like the autoimmune disease called Hashimoto's. Through all of these beautiful and soul-expanding experiences, she has learned how to live with faith over fear, move from perfectionism to self-love, and enjoy clarity in her life purpose. Teaching and empowering women is her mission and purpose in life, and she loves to teach true principles and offer practical ways to flourish in life and empower women to fulfill their unique purposes. I met Ember uh, while attending the mental health conference with Tony Overbay and Kurt Frankham, and I'm so excited to have her on the podcast today. She is one of those people who has inspired me as I've jumped into her content, and I am so excited for each of you guys to learn from her. If you were given a one-minute ad slot at the Super Bowl that you couldn't sell, what would you do with it? That is such a great question. And Tracy, thank you for having me on your podcast today. I'm just thrilled to be here. So if I had a one-minute ad for the Super Bowl, what comes to mind first is the Dove campaign from a few years ago. Do you remember that campaign? Mm-hmm. And they hung signs above doors that women had to go through a door that either said average or beautiful. And that whole campaign, I, I think was powerful, powerful. It made each one of us think, which door would I really go through? And I think it would be a campaign similar to that, something that would cause women to really reflect, maybe not on their beauty, perhaps, but on the power that is within them. And really that women have such a force for goodness and light. And that's what came to mind as you asked that question is something that could really impact women that in a strong, motivating way of, I have something to contribute to this world. I love it. That's beautiful. I actually, that's not, I never saw that campaign ad. So I'm looking, I'm listening to that. I'm like, oh, I've seen other ones that were similar thought and feel, but not that particular one. So that one, I'm going to have to look up. I'll have to put that in the show notes, the little, the commercial, so we can be inspired. And what have you learned through your many soul stretching experiences about Jesus Christ? I love this question so much. Even just hearing you read my intro, I'm like, oh yeah, she's been through a lot. And you know what? It's okay. It's totally okay. My biggest takeaway through kind of a rough upbringing and and then some really challenging things throughout my life 
the, the one thing I've learned about our Savior Jesus Christ is that in those moments, and all of us will have a moment like this, we will, we will arrive at a moment where we will really sincerely be asking ourselves the question, is the power of Jesus Christ, is it powerful enough even for me? even for all of these hard things in my life. And time and time again, I have learned that the answer is yes, it is. That Jesus Christ's power is more than enough. It is more than powerful enough for each one of us individually, no matter what we face. And If you haven't experienced that in your life yet, that moment of, is it really that powerful? You will. I think all of us have to come to that moment. And and he, he is always, always there for us. And it is powerful enough. And that's what I have seen time and time again, as a little girl, as a teenager, as a young adult, now as more of a middle-aged woman, Every time it is more than powerful enough. He's mighty to save. I love that. He is mighty to save. You mentioned that you grew up with an alcoholic, a parent who was an alcoholic. So can you tell me a little bit about how that impacted how you became Ember and your development? Yeah, it's a tricky part of my life to discuss just because it was hard. I was fortunate. I was very fortunate that my father made the choice to become sober when I was about six years old. So my younger years were very tumultuous and it does impact every aspect of your life. What I have found is that trying to navigate that as a child, it's a lot for a child to make sense of what's happening. And you don't have a real clear picture of of what's going on, right? You just see a lot of the outward expression and you don't have a lot of uh, skills to uh, make sense of what's going on in your world. For a long time, I lived in this place of resentment um, that it shouldn't be this way. And why was I raised in a family like this and other people weren't? And there was a lot of looking outside, which is very like neurotypical for a teenager, for a child. Like I I see that now that that's very, very typical, right? As I've been able to progress through my life, I have found that, excuse me, um, I have found that a lot of my perfectionism was rooted in, in that situation growing up because I simply used it as a coping mechanism. And I learned that what I could control was me. And, um, and if I was good enough, I could have, like, if I achieved enough or I, if, if I achieved a lot, then, um, then I was worthy and that I, a lot of my self-worth was rooted in perfectionism because I just tried to overachieve to compensate for the chaos that was going on in my life. So um, not that I blame that completely on circumstances. I think that that was innate in my personality too. I think it just helped um, fuel that and, and kind of reinforce it for sure. Um, 
So I mentioned that I spent a lot of time in resentment and I think that's pretty typical. I think that's, um, I don't think that's out of the ordinary, but as I have matured and grown older and done a lot of work, I've been able to um, really evaluate the story that I was telling myself about the whole situation. And the powerful question I like to use for me, and I use this for my clients, is what is really true? What's really true? And what's really true is that my dad was a Vietnam vet. He suffered from PTSD and never had resources to help him. And so turned to alcohol to try to numb those harmful, just um, unimaginable terrors that he experienced. As a child, I didn't understand that. As an adult, I think I get a little bit of a glimpse. And so what's really true? That he did the very best he could, given the circumstances he was in. And what else is true? I am a fiercely independent, super strong and capable person um, because I just had to be, right? And, and people have mentioned and, and will remark often to my parents that they have raised incredible kids and they have. All of us are fiercely independent. We're very goal-driven. Like we are um, successful human beings. And part of that was because we simply had to step up and be that and choose to be that. So um, I, it's, it's a wonderful place to be able to move out of why is this happening? Why doesn't my life look like anyone else's, you know, th- this is all gloom and doom and to really evaluate what's really true. What's really true? That whole experience shaped me into who I have become. It helped in that process and I wouldn't trade it. I would not trade it because I am who I am today, partly because of that. And those are lessons that just can't be learned any other way. And that's what's really true. Wow. Uh, I listened to one of your most recent episode, um, podcast episodes on gratitude and savoring. And I love what you taught and how you did it and the examples you gave. It was beautifully done. Um, Everyone go listen to it um, so you can get more in tune with this season. Um, It's in the show notes. And I'm very proud of you and I barely know you. But since this podcast is coming out during the holiday season, will you share with my audience what savoring is and some examples of how you've done it throughout your life? Sure. I love this this principle of savoring, it is super powerful. And, and some of us use it without even knowing, but it really does have like a name and it has a ton of research behind it of how it can actually lengthen and strengthen our positive emotions. So in the podcast episode that you mentioned, I, I associated it with gratitude, right? How to make gratitude more powerful. I'm just going to preface this by saying savoring can be used with any positive emotion. Okay. And um, that's the power of it. But basically it's where we take the time 
to actually sit in those positive emotions and just savor what that feels like and just to take it all in. My favorite part of savoring is that it can be done in the past. It can be done in the in the present and in the future. Like we can savor the past and lots of us will call this reminiscing. That's why when you open the family album and you relive these experiences, you are savoring. You're savoring those positive emotions or the hilarious ones or the ones that weren't so hilarious then that are now hilarious, whatever that may be. You're actually lengthening and strengthening those memories, those positive emotions associated with those experiences. And it it's been proven that it really does increase our levels of happiness. So a way that we savor present experiences, people would call it being present or mindfulness, right? Just really soaking in the experience that we're having right now and really focusing on, uh, you know, if you're on a date with your husband, that the lighting, wherever you are in this restaurant, that you appreciate the lighting, that it's so great, that you appreciate the feeling of holding hands or enjoying the meal. And instead of just eating and trying to make conversation, but actually immersing yourself and savoring that experience is just so powerful. And then those, um, those positive emotions that are created by doing that last longer like up to a month. Wow. <laughs> it's crazy. I know it's so, it, it's incredible. And then you can also savor the future. You've probably savored the future, a future event when you've done a paper chain account, an advent calendar for Christmas, um, counting down the days for a vacation or a special girls night out or whatever you're looking forward to then you can, that, and it's called anticipatory savoring of something that you're anticipating that's going to happen in the future, but you can create those positive emotions within yourself even before it happens. So you asked for some examples. Um, I used an example that we, we used savoring quite a bit before I even knew what it was, but we, on family trips, we would do a paper chain or a countdown and get so excited. So that, that was us just anticipatory savoring right there. Right. And then on the trip every night, just going over, like, that was such a great day. And what was your favorite part? And then usually on the drive home, play this game, everyone, we called it the grateful game who knew it was really the savoring game. (laughs) But um, just we would go, just hours and hours we'd go through and remember when so-and-so did this or when you fell off that or when the sunset was magical on the beach or when you totally got like blown over by that wave or whatever it was, you know, and and it really stretches you to find all the wonderful things that happen because we go through all of us and then we go through it and again and again for hours and trying to find something new. And do you see how that can really just like lengthen and strengthen those positive emotions associated with that experience? But it has been proven to to be a powerful, powerful part of relationships especially marriage relationships. If you can savor past 
present and future events, um, you can imagine how you would feel love more intensely and for longer and can kind of get you through, you know, marriage is messy. Relationships are messy and can kind of help get you through and savor the positive parts of relationships or events or lots of different things, but it's a powerful thing. I'm so glad you enjoyed that episode. Yeah, that was really cool. I loved that perspective on gratitude and savoring and that specific word. I thought, what a great word. We can definitely do more of that. And I could definitely do more of that. So I really love that. So I know this is a bit of a tangent, but in the episode, you talked about how your husband has an uncanny ability to see your children's vision of what they want to do and help and does everything in his power to help achieve that, like help them to achieve that. I am really impressed with that. Can you share an example of this, of how he does this in your family? It's one of my very favorite things about Brian is that he is like all in and he wants um, to help our kids achieve goals, right? Or whatever, their dreams, their, their innermost desires. So a couple of examples, I have a few. When they were little, um, one example was we, one of our sons really wanted to write a book you know, but he was like in kindergarten, you know, he was young, but he want, he had this desire to write a book. And so my husband helped him um, illustrate and color and like build a book. And he would, he couldn't like write it all down yet. So my husband typed it all up and then they put pictures to it. And he helped my son create this pirate book and and was along with him every step of the way. Now, as our kids have gotten older, those things have changed. But one of our older sons um, was showing a real interest in welding in being like a blacksmith and, and forging, things like that, which as a mom, I'm a little bit like more cautious. And I'm like, that's all we need is more fire <laughs> in the house. But my husband really, he was like, Ember, I really think that we should get him all the parts to build his own forge. I've like, he researched plans for him and how they worked. And so for a Christmas gift, we gave him all the pieces and all the parts that he would need to weld his own forge together so that he could do some blacksmithing. And not all parents would be willing to do that. I'm just saying, <laughs> but he could see that that is really what our son desired and, and could make that happen. Right. And, and use his own talents to help support and um, make the dreams come true. Right. And it has, it has been an incredible experience for that one son. And it really gave him confidence. And he's, he's now graduated from high school, working full-time as a welder. It, it just helped him get, just gain that confidence. And I had to really just swallow down the mom cautious part of me and say, okay, it's fine that something will be like 2000 degrees, just like yards from our house, you know, and, and, and support him in that. But my husband just like without hesitation, he wants to make it happen. One last example is um, our younger boys wanted to build a fort on some mountain property that grandpa and grandma have. And their first attempt last summer was 
like no power tools. It was like a lean to, you know, like they'd been watching alone and they'd like put, you know, they didn't want to use any power tools, but they had this desire to build a fort. Well, the Mm -hmm. fort obviously didn't make it through winter. Right. And it just, and so they decided, yes, we can make power tools. And my husband really caught the vision and he was like, they want to build like a really cool fort. Well, they've worked weekend after weekend over the summer and it's basically a tiny house. It's like this mini cabin, every little boy's dream. And my husband can just like catch this vision, go all in and, and includes them so that they feel successful. It's not like he takes over and does it for them, but it's a way that I think he connects with them and like can make all the dreams come true. It's, it's pretty spectacular. Um, like I said, it's one of the things that I love most about Brian. So love that so much. Wow. And that he's modeling that for your children. Wow. So many of us are preparing to be around family for the holiday season. And I think that some may have felt some anxiety from the last couple of years and things that have happened and things that have uh, been hard for families and family members. So what would you recommend to those that might be feeling that way as the holidays approach? I love this question so much because you know that there's going to be someone that just likes to ruffle feathers or it may seem that way. Right. Um, And you're right. Our like, just given the world circumstances, the last couple of years, there seems to be a polarization and, and within families and, and, you know, everywhere, right. We're seeing it everywhere. The biggest thing that I can say, my best tip is don't expect anyone to be someone they're not, you know, like so often I think we go into a situation, especially during the holidays and you're trying to just like have a conversation and, and for some reason we think that people will like might be different this year, or maybe they've changed their mind, right? And and what if we just opened up some space for them to just be who they are and for them to believe whatever they want to believe and for them to just be who they are? I think sometimes we just have like this, this funny little program that runs in our minds. Like, I think this time will be different or this time I can convince them that if we don't expect them to be anyone, but who they are and don't have expectations, um, that uncle Ralph isn't going to bring up politics because he always does. And so of course he will, you know, and, and so just opening up that space of, of just allowing people to be who they are and feel what they want to feel. And all of that, I think is the biggest thing. Easier said than done, easier said than done. But, um, and then really just focusing on how do I want to show up? And if there's a conversation you're engaged in that you really don't want to be, you do not have to stay engaged in that conversation and you don't have to be rude and you don't have to like (laughs) convince them you're right give some space for 
them to be exactly who they are. And, and I think just going into it with that mentality can kind of shift everything instead of dreading like, oh no, uncle Ralph and his politics, you know, maybe try to find a different angle either of trying to figure out hmm, just curiosity. Like, I wonder why he thinks that, or just like, isn't that fascinating? Isn't that fascinating that Uncle Ralph is so into politics and, and you know, whatever it may be. Um, I don't know that all of us have an Uncle Ralph, but. <laughs> we may be the well, Uncle Ralph, unfortunately. So that I, Right. Yeah. And, and acknowledging that, that we may be that person for someone else and, and just giving other people and ourselves a lot of grace. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for that encouragement. Um, when is the last time that you felt really connected to others and how do you feel like you established that connection either with them or they connected with you? Um, the last time I felt really connected with others, um, and this experience is outside my family. Um, I think there's lots of moments to, to feel that connection within our families and and lots of moments to not feel connected (laughs) in our families. It's like the the ultimate like proving ground. Right. Um, I actually had the opportunity to speak at the lifted summit about a month ago. And, um, it was an interesting opportunity because as a life coach, I have a lot of, I have a lot of things to say. (laughs) I have a lot of things to teach. And this was more of a religious event. And so, the spirit actually just told me that I needed to share something that was hard in my life that I had not really opened up about. And, um, as soon as I opened up my, my talk and I was vulnerable and I was real and I was raw instantly, there was a connection there. Even if people who had had not experienced exactly what I had experienced, there was a connection there that I feel like couldn't have been created any other way. If I wasn't vulnerable, I could have taught the exact same thing, you know, like the last three quarters of my, my speech, I could have done that alone and it would not have had the connection with other people or, um, or had as powerful of a message without that, that vulnerability to say, this, this was hard and this is life and it's raw and it's real. And here's what I've learned. And that was such a beautiful experience for me. First of all, in trusting, trusting in the Lord that it was okay it was okay to share a really vulnerable part of, of my life. And I have just found that anytime we are brave enough to be vulnerable, it, it's so instant and it's so powerful that it just instantly connects you with another person. And I think it opens hearts. We're more ready to learn more teachable. Um, it just 
can't come in any other way. So that's that's probably a most recent experience that that has happened to me. But and it I could feel that it was two ways. I felt comfortable sharing because I knew and trusted that it would be okay, right? And they were able to connect with me on some level because they had experienced some hard things too that were raw. That yeah. were um yeah. So it was just a beautiful, beautiful, a beautiful experience for me. Yeah, I love that. Um, so I'm thinking of some mothers that I know, and I am not a mother yet, but I have many friends who have and are for many years. They've been mothers. And I've noticed something. (laughs) And what I have noticed is that parenting humbles everyone. Yeah. And and I'm just, it, it humbles every single person I've ever met. And I think all of them like love their children. All of them care so deeply for their children, Mm -hmm. but they have been humbled by the opportunity to be a parent what would you say to maybe a mother who feels like she's just kind of lost herself in in these Mm -hmm. kids? And how did you navigate that in your own journey? I love that. I, you hit the nail on the head that, um, being a parent is, um, it's humbling. And I think it's divinely designed that way. It is. Yeah, I I mentioned navigating my own motherhood journey has been quite an adventure. So I have five kids, Brian and I, I, they're not just mine, (laughs) Brian and I have five kids and uh, four boys and we have one daughter and she's right in the middle. And, um, And we have some kids who struggle with mental illness and um in a divinely designed way, how better to help Ember overcome her perfectionism than provide this classroom of life isn't perfect, that relationships aren't perfect, right? Um, How have I navigated that? Well, um, it was a wrestle. It was a true struggle for years and years to try to um, let go of my pride and that perfectionism, because perfectionism really is like fear-based. It's very, um, yeah, I think there's an element of pride in it. And, um, And what better classroom than to send Ember (laughs) exactly what she would need. And it's interesting because as you go into your motherhood journey, like I was just like certain that I could mold and teach my kids and that, um, that I would be able, that I would be the one teaching. And in a lot of ways, that's true. And in a lot of ways, that's not, that has not been my experience. Um, one particular child who really struggles with mental illness and probably will their whole life 
Um, I can say with a surety that that child has taught me so much more than I have ever taught them. And that I say that with, um, with a genuine and sincere heart, because there's a wrestle. It's not something that is gained easily and is that much more sacred. Um, I just, I'm speaking at a couple of firesides this month about the refiner's fire and motherhood has been part of that for me. It is a refiner's fire. It will purify you. It will sanctify you. And it is hot. (laughs) I don't say that to discourage you, Tracy. Um, Motherhood is wonderful and amazing. And it stretches you far beyond what you think you're capable of. And like I mentioned, it's divinely designed. So how did I navigate that? Well, I spent a lot of time, like a lot of people, in frustration, in why am I not good at this? Or why can't I figure this out? Or, you know, there's no manual. <laughs> there's no manual that when a baby is born and, and the Lord trusts us so much with those souls. And it's such, um, you do feel that weight of responsibility. Um, as I have learned powerful tools as I have unlocked my own personal power and relied on my savior, um, I'm navigating motherhood in a totally different way in an empowering and um, just a delightful way. But it took about with postpartum depression. It took a surprise baby. Number five, it took, really me going through a lot of the experiences and, and being able to say, I can do this with the Lord's help, but honestly, therapy, all the other, all the things, right. Nothing has been more powerful to me than coaching. And when I found uh, coaching and then specific tools, it, it transformed my life. Nothing in my life has changed. My circumstances, the people in my life, nothing nothing has changed. And yet my life is completely different. My motherhood journey is completely different. And so Tracy, I just am thrilled for you that you have coaching tools and you have things going into motherhood that didn't even exist when I started my motherhood journey, right? And that those powerful tools are available to so many of us now to navigate that journey. It makes me super excited that those things are available and, and that people can incorporate them into their lives. I know it has changed my life. Um, Can you share one of the tools that has been most helpful for you get into a different space so that even though your circumstances have not changed, you have? Yeah. Just understanding my personal power, right? That I believe is God given. It is divinely given to us, our ability to choose and to act for ourselves. And I don't think we use that power enough in our lives. And one of the biggest things is just realizing that I can create 
how I view the experience, that my thoughts create my emotions and my actions do too. It's not just thoughts, but my actions do too. And that I used to be at the mercy of my emotions and 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 felt very justified and and like valid in feeling that way and that it was just something that happened to me and when i realized that that was in within my power that i could think and feel and of course act for myself in every single instance right and st- and actually respond instead of react um, that was life-changing for me and, and something I teach in my coaching program for sure. And then this other aspect that I think is um, such a powerful aspect of self-compassion. Self-compassion is, it's key. And when it does not come naturally to women, it doesn't, not, not very many women that I know, does it come naturally. And um, yet it's, it's so beautiful that, that we do, we need to have self-kindness. We need to understand our common humanity, that we are part of this bigger picture and that everyone here suffers. We all go through hard things and that we are not unique in that, but it actually like binds us together instead of separates us. And, and then just mindfulness, like keeping our emotions in check, like feel feel the emotions, but don't make them bigger or create more suffering for ourselves. And there's various, as I, as I say that you totally know what I'm talking about, but there's various tools within all of those things that I teach my, in my group coaching program and to my one-on-one clients. But um, in fact, I have this beautiful framework that I um, have created and I work off of, and it's, um, It's like a flower blossoming. So it's centered in truth that we all need to be centered in truth. And then the inner ring of the flower includes us making sure that we find confidence and clarity and connection. And then as it expands out, we're able to flourish even more, you know, and we have things like courage and compassion and being a conscious creator and commitment and curiosity. And, and then, so I have like these three rings of three and five and seven and, and all those things just help us to flourish and thrive. And it's um, anyway, just powerful, powerful stuff that can't, we can't even cover all of it. Right. But um, powerful coaching tools that, that help unlock your divine personal power within you. So just good stuff. I could talk about it all day. (laughs) I know this is definitely your passion. So you share that the antidote to perfectionism is self-love. Tell us more about that because you have mentioned perfectionism a few times throughout this and how to overcome that. Yeah. So I call myself a recovering perfectionist. Um, Those tendencies will probably show up for me all the time. In fact, um, you know, as I, I have a coach, so as I'm being coached, it's so interesting that like, I'm like, I don't think that this, I don't think it's perfectionism. And then we like pull back the layers and I'm like, Oh yeah, that's just more perfectionism, like showing up in my life. Right. And so it will be something I think that I always have to just keep in check, but as I have moved away from perfectionism, it has been through finding real self-love. 
So I like to say that perfectionism is um, fear with high heels on. It's just fear dressed up all fancy. And I can say that because I love a great pair of shoes and I love a great pair of high heels and there's nothing wrong with that. But when we're trying to just make fear fancy and make it look good, um, it never goes well. So the opposite of fear is love. And so perfectionism that's rooted in our personal fears of I am, I'm not enough. That's really what it's rooted in is that in some way, in some form, I am not enough. And so a perfectionist tries to, they like value themselves. They, they base their self-worth on the things that they do, their to-do list, how they're perceived, like that everything is so well put together and all the things, right? Because that will prove that they are enough to themselves and to others and mostly to others so that then they can start to believe it for themselves maybe, but that's a wild ride. (laughs) And so the antidote to fear is love. And when you choose to just love yourself and come to really know that, um, as I have come to know that I am enough, exactly as I am, hot mess and all, whatever, right? The imperfection, is what makes me beautiful, right? And and as you can really internalize that, that all that really matters is God's love and that's constant and unchanging and that he expects us to love ourselves. Because when we truly have self-love, then fear cannot exist. Love and fear cannot exist together. And why would God give us the first and great commandment to love God. Absolutely. So many of us are good at that, right? We feel like we really make an effort to do that and to love our neighbor and, and then not only love our neighbor, but love our neighbor as thyself. And when we come to truly love ourselves, not worship, not in a prideful way, but truly have self-love for ourselves, then nothing else matters. No one else's opinion, no fear can overtake us, right? When we can stand in that confidence and our identity as a son or daughter of God, and we can love ourselves and God loves us. And that's everything else kind of just melts away, including the perfectionism. I love how you said it's not uh, worship, like self-worship, which I think sometimes uh, that's why people struggle maybe with self-love sometimes is because they feel like it becomes a worship of self instead of a love of mm-hmm. self. Yeah. And one thing that I teach, just going back to that, a lot of people do struggle with loving themselves. And the thing that I try to remind people is, is the fact that do you have anything to, did you have anything to do with your creation? Like, I did not create me. Now, do I like make choices to learn and to grow and to develop? Yes, but really like God is my creator. That's who created me. So by loving his creations, I'm showing honor to him. It's not prideful to love yourself because you're actually, that's it's actually humility because you're giving credit where credit is due. 
I had nothing to do with my creation. Not one thing. God did. And so I can love his creations. I love outdoor creations. You know, I love the outdoors. I love nature. I love God's creations. I love the earth. And by loving myself and others, I'm just honoring his creations. Wow. What a beautiful explanation of that. Uh, So how would you recommend we unravel perfectionism? So when you did identify that problem, what did you start to do to try to get back into that? Like, I do love myself. Yeah, I think the very first step kind of with any kind of personal development is, is awareness, right? Recognizing that perfectionism is showing up in my life and, and just identifying the ways that it is um, and being able to, to notice and to name it and say, oh yeah, that's perfectionism and, or that's fear or whatever it is, right? So notice and name, just creating that awareness is definitely the first step. And then really you have to do a lot of thought management because as a perfectionist that I'd been practicing for years, there were thought processes and um, inner belief systems that I had in place that supported that, that said that this was the way, right? And, And when you can kind of pull back those layers and say, actually, this isn't serving me very well. And it's, it's a powerful experience. So um, being able to identify like just thoughts and belief systems that are not serving me, you know, that I had this, this deeply held belief that somehow if I held it all together, that (laughs) everything would work out or that I could single-handedly hold my family together or what, you know what I mean? And, and as you take a really honest look at like, it sounds ridiculous when you say it out loud, right? Like that I could single-handedly do this. Right. And, and it's just, it's a bit ridiculous, but we, we buy into that simply because we've practiced those things. We've practiced thinking those thoughts. And and at some point, maybe they were our own and maybe they weren't, but we believed them. And, and I believed that my worth was tied to what I did. It was something I could control. And, and as I think that's when it begins to unravel. When you can start to pull those things out of the darkness, it gives them uh, less power over you and, and name it. And, and then you can start to neutralize it and say, here's my powerful question again. What's really true. What's really true. Well, that perfectionism isn't serving me. It's not working out well in any aspect of my life. Right. But sometimes you have to hit hard experiences to, to hit that. Right. Because honestly, perfectionism served me really well for a while. Like it did. And then I hit a point where it didn't. And that's when I had to really reevaluate and be like, "Hmm, this really isn't serving me well. And then I could really go back and say, oh, it really wasn't serving me then either. It appeared to, but it, it was a facade. It was reinforcing the behavior, but it wasn't truly serving me. And will you extend a challenge or an invitation 
to my audience to help them unlock their personal life mission, what would you like to extend to them? I love this. And you're so sweet to have me extend the challenge. The biggest thing, um, you know, I'm into, you know, emerging empowered and really unlocking your personal power that's divinely given to start with that is something I teach, which is the circle of control. You know, you have what you're in control of and then you, who you influence and then things that are completely out of outside of your control to stay as much as you can in your circle of control, because that's where your power is. And any time, which um, just a brief overview, if people aren't um, too familiar with the circle of control, the things that you are actually in control of are your thoughts, your beliefs, your actions, your results, your behavior, your anything internally, right? What you choose to do, that's where your personal power is. Now, the next layer of that is that you do have influence around people around you, but you do not have control of them. And uh, the more you stay in your circle of control, that's where your personal power lies. So if you are worrying about something that's outside of your control, you're giving your personal power away. So we go through our lives handing out our personal power to other people without even knowing it. When we base our worth, our self-worth on someone else's opinion, you just hand it over and give them your personal power that they now have the power to tell you whether you're worthy or not. And what I tried to, my challenge to everyone out there and my mission and and really my passion in life is to really teach women how to just gather that back up and it can be done so powerfully so think about if if you're struggling so the challenge is this if you are really struggling with something i want you to say is that within my circle of control Is it my words, my thoughts, my deeds, my actions, my feelings? Is that my behavior? Is that my response? Is that, you know, like, is it within your personal power? And if it is not, say, how can I deal with this situation in my personal power rather than giving it away? And one powerful question that will help you to do this that I find in my own life and in my the lives of my clients is how do I want to show up? How do I choose to show up in this moment? Or what does love look like in this moment? And that that is power because that is totally within your control. Whatever you're worrying about or whoever or whatever happened or circumstance or whatever it is, is simply just outside of your control. Take back your personal power and work within it. Because anytime you're giving your personal power away, you feel helpless and it feels miserable. And God has given us divine power to act for ourselves and not be acted upon. I imagine if the entire world were living true to their personal power, the world would be an insanely wonderful place to be. Can you cast your vision of what that might look like? 
Oh, just utopia and the millennium and (laughs) all the things, right? I envision that people taking personal responsibility for what they do, not for everything or taking on blame, but just owning up to our own choices and our own, all the things, right? Just taking on that personal responsibility. Um, We would have more confidence more clarity, more connection, right? All of those things would just flourish. And um, and people could step out of like this victim mode that a lot of us fall, um, fall into, um, which is just human nature. But, um, but I see like everyone being empowered in their own divine way and living up to their true potential, which ultimately is like God's plan for us, right? Absolutely. Ember, thank you so much for your time and for your talents and for the things that you have contributed to the world and are contributing. I'm so glad you are out there and you are doing what you're doing. Um, Can you leave us with a book recommendation and how we can contact you? Sure. Um, I have so many book recommendations. I don't even know where to start. Oh, um, a good place to start. Like if, if people are not familiar with coaching or with a lot of personal development and things like that, um, even just, um, Brene Brown's gifts of imperfection is a great place to start. It's such a great springboard. Um, just embracing that we are not perfect and we're not designed to be perfect in this world. And, and in this life, we won't, we won't ever be perfect and embracing those things about us. That's a great place to start. Another one that I sincerely just love and eat up is self-compassion by Kristen Neff. Powerful, powerful stuff. Um, I love Brooke Snow's living in your true identity like that just like resonates with me through, um, my whole body. As I read it though, there were actually probably like a good six or seven things that I had discovered as truth before even meeting Brooke Snow and reading her book. And so it just really resonated with me how powerful truth, truth is truth is truth. And, um, Anyway, so that's a great book. How people can get in touch with me. I am on Instagram at emerge underscore empowered. Um, I'm online at emergeempowered.org. I'm also on YouTube. And of course, I have my podcast, Emerge Empowered with Ember Pilati. That's my mission that um, everyone can emerge empowered and really just unlock their personal power because that's where, that's where you can really thrive and flourish in your life and in your relationships. And isn't that what we all desire? 